0: You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. Good day to you and welcome to this edition of America Change Forever. I'm Jeff Begay, still getting over that Thanksgiving feast, but like you, looking ahead to the rest of the holiday season. If only we could focus on the positive in the world, unfortunately, we just can't. Not yet, at least, because... We're going to begin this episode with a warning from the FBI and the Department of Homeland Security Cyber Division, both agencies issuing a cybersecurity reminder for public and private sector organizations to remain vigilant during the holiday season. Cyber criminals often target critical networks during this time of year. Joining us now to talk about the threat is FBI Cyber Deputy Assistant Director Tanya Ugaretz. Thanks for being with us. What the FBI is basically saying here is that you really have to stay on your toes when it comes to these kinds of cyber threats, and you really can't take a vacation from protecting your computer networks.
1: I think that's very well said. So we're not currently aware of a specific threat over this Thanksgiving holiday. But what we do know is that cybercriminals look for any vulnerability they can find that's going to increase their chances of scoring big. And that means not only vulnerabilities in our computer networks, but also vulnerabilities and opportunities in our behaviors. And one of those behaviors is taking time off for the holidays. For example, there were significant ransomware attacks this year during the Mother's Day, Memorial Day, and the July 4th holiday weekends. So looking at that pattern, uh, the FBI and our partner CISA are being forward-leaning in just making sure that both companies and consumers are aware of these threats and are taking steps to protect themselves.
0: Well, so... So you're not seeing a credible or a specific threat right now. It's just what you're seeing is is the pattern historically.
1: So there is that historical pattern, and it's not just confined to ransomware. Uh, We know that cybercriminals will always look for vulnerable times to target us, whether that's companies or critical infrastructure or consumers. So there is that longer standing pattern. But I want to put that into context. I mean, the reality is that ransomware in particular remains at unacceptable levels. And for the FBI, every day, every weekday, every weekend and every holiday, FBI personnel are responding to ransomware attacks. And that's in spite of the fact that we know that we're only aware of a small fraction of the attacks that are occurring out there.
0: We have followed these stories here at CBS News uh, for some time, but it, it just seems like in the last 12 months or so, uh, I don't know if there's been an uptick, but there's definitely been more of a law enforcement focus on ransomware attacks and the kind of damage that they've been doing. Could you, How would you characterize these kinds of attacks and how damaging they can be for the average person listening to this broadcast?
1: Well, maybe I'll start just by describing what a ransomware attack is for those who have been fortunate enough not to yet be targeted by one. Uh, ransomware is a means that cyber criminals use uh, for profit. Uh, Ultimately, it's a way to make money from their victims. And what they do is uh, somehow try to find a way to compromise your computer network. That might be through uh, an email that's disguised to look like it's coming from someone you trust. For example, you click on it and that installs malware, uh, malicious software that has a very specific purpose to encrypt your network Uh, which means that it is rendered unusable. Uh, You can't access your files. You can't do any of the normal things that you would normally do on your computer or mobile device, uh, which can be very disruptive if you're an individual, uh, but could be nearly catastrophic if you are someone who owns or operates critical infrastructure, such as a water plant or a pipeline, uh, as we saw earlier this year. And then what the criminals will do is, just like the name implies, demand a ransom. Uh, They will say that they will not restore your files to you or decrypt them until you have paid them a certain amount, usually in virtual currency. Another trend we've seen over the past year uh, is that the actors take an additional step, which is to steal your information before they encrypt it. What that allows them to do is to effectively have a second way of extorting you or putting pressure on a company by saying, and if you don't pay the ransom, we will release your files or sell your information to the highest bidder.
0: There may be people listening to this broadcast and thinking, well, why can't law enforcement stop these kinds of ransomware attacks? So why can't you stop this?
1: Well, law enforcement and our other government and international partners have taken a lot of steps, actually for many years, uh, to combat this threat. But it's a challenging one. Um, It's kind of akin to saying, how can you not stop organized crime? Uh, There's a lot of of efforts underway, not just to uh, arrest individual actors, but to look at these as criminal enterprises, because that's really what they are, looking at the people the infrastructure they use, uh, in this case, you know, their their technical infrastructure that's worldwide, uh, and also their money. I mentioned virtual currency, uh, being able to disrupt their funds, such as by seizing uh, the ransoms that are paid to them and returning them to victims. Those are some of the the innovative things that the FBI has done over the past year. But it's really a multi agency and international effort. Our biggest successes have been when we've joined forces and been able to nearly simultaneously arrest people, seize their infrastructure, disrupt their money flow, um, and in that sense have a larger impact than any one of us could do individually.
0: All right, so the other thing, of course, being that the FBI relies on the private sector to report these kinds of incidents as early as possible. And, you know, I know that the FBI, having covered the agency for, or the Bureau for such a long time, has done a lot of outreach to companies across America, telling them, listen, this is, this is something that, that we have to do together. You, you know, you can't handle these kinds of attacks on your own. Uh, how important is it for the FBI to get involved early?
1: It's incredibly important. And you actually hit on two very important different things in that short question. The first is involving the FBI. We can't help if we don't know about it. Uh, And the reality is, as I mentioned, we know that a small percentage, only a small percentage of these ransomware attacks are actually reported to government Uh, whether that's law enforcement through the FBI or the Secret Service or the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency, which is responsible for understanding the risk to the nation's uh, critical infrastructure. So involving law enforcement is key, uh, and especially the FBI, because as both a law enforcement and the nation's domestic intelligence agency we have tools and authorities that we can bring to bear to not only help victims, uh, but also pursue those responsible. Imagine if you had a criminal organization on a crime spree and no one ever reported uh, the individual incidents of the crime. How could we possibly stop them or be able to piece together the evidence that identifies who's responsible um, if we don't know that it's occurring? Now, that would be a difficult scenario to imagine if you were thinking about a crime happening in the physical world, like a bank robbery or a series of murders. But when you have these crimes happening in the virtual world, we're even more dependent on victims, whether those are companies, uh, academic institutions, individuals to report to us. So that's the first piece. The second piece you mentioned is to report quickly. Um, We have many examples where um, it's only because we were notified of the incident within the first 24 or 48 hours of its occurring that we were able to take action that either recovered lost funds um, for a victim or prevented their data from being sold on the dark web, or enabled them to find where the actors were on their network, thanks to indicators and technical clues that we're able to share with the victims so they know where to look to find where the actor is in their network and try to get them out before more damage is done. So it's the reporting and the speed that's really important.
0: Was it the Colonial Pipeline ransomware attack that really got law enforcement's attention earlier this year?
1: I wouldn't say that, although obviously that was a very concerning incident that both law enforcement um, and other agencies were very quick to respond to. The FBI has been investigating ransomware and all of the um, many criminal enterprises employing it for much longer than that. And in fact, um, as our director has cited, there are approximately 100 different ransomware variants that we have investigations on. Um, So while the Colonial Pipeline incident was highly concerning, especially with the potential impact to our critical infrastructure Um, Sadly, it's one in a series of ransomware attacks that we've seen over time.
0: And how hard is it to bring some of these ransomware attackers to justice? I mean, we've seen that a lot of them are overseas.
1: That's right. Um, These... Ransomware attacks, as well as cyber, cyber crime in general, and a lot of the malicious cyber activity we look at, whether it's being conducted by cyber criminals um, or other actors, it involves foreign actors using global infrastructure to target U.S. networks. And what that means is that not only can the FBI alone, um, not, not only can the FBI not you know, alone bring these actors to justice often, but even the U.S. um, needs international partners, uh, like-minded partners who um, are willing to help us, and that can take a lot of different forms, whether that's um, helping us with requests for evidence that might be stored overseas um, or as you're mentioning, um, requests to help us uh, apprehend and extradite uh, criminals that have been indicted here for these cyber crimes. So fortunately, we do have a lot of like-minded partners, um, especially in the international law enforcement community, who we've had successes with doing these uh, coordinated arrests and takedowns. Uh, But we have to acknowledge that uh, not every country is so cooperative um, and so simultaneously uh, it requires countries to take responsibility for not harboring cyber criminals as well
0: if a company believes that it is in the process of being the victim of a ransomware attack or you know if they think they've been targeted for ransomware what should they do how should they report it
1: So we would ask that they reach out to their local FBI field office and that contact information, if a company doesn't already have it, is available at FBI.gov. Companies and consumers can also file a complaint online at ic3.gov. That's our Internet Crime Complaint Center. That's also where you can find more information on some of the not only ransomware attacks, but other holiday scams. Uh, There are public service announcements listed there for both consumers and industry, but If a company especially feels like they are in the midst of an attack such as this, contacting the local FBI field office is the quickest way to get assistance.
0: FBI Cyber Deputy Assistant Director Tanya Ugaritz, thank you. Thank you. Let's continue on our post-Thanksgiving, let's call it our shopping guide. Why don't we do that? And, you know, what I've come to realize is that I need michelle singletary to make sure that my budget stays intact as i shop for holiday gifts michelle singletary fabulous washington post columnist especially when it comes to our budgets is joining us now michelle happy post thanksgiving
2: Oh, thank you so much for having me.
0: All right. So you're, you, you wrote a, a recent column when you talked about inflation and how that is going to affect how we Americans spend this coming holiday season. So, so what is the gist of what you wrote there?
2: So we know that inflation is up, meaning that prices, things cost more, prices are up. Uh, we know that there have been supply chain issues. So, lots of things that people might want, particularly the popular holiday items, might be in short supply. And all of this sort of creates this perfect storm of spending and people sort of panicking that they may not be able to get the things that they want for the people they love. And so, I wanted to write a column and say, hey, y'all, let's sort of like take it, dial it back. You know, you're going to be okay. Um, and don't panic by, don't do a whole bunch. Of things that lead you to spend money that you probably can't afford or could be used for some other things like boosting your retirement or the college savings uh, fund for your children.
0: All right. Well, you, and I'm sort of embarrassed to say this, but you just described me to i T. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm just going to come clean because I'm one of those guys who cannot stick to a budget. And, you know, I'm not a gazillionaire. Obviously, uh, this radio show is fun to do. And I work for CBS News, which is really my day job covering justice and homeland security. So I earn a living. But, you know, I got to watch what I spend just like everybody else and are are there any tips, Michelle, that you can give me so that I just stay on track?
2: You know, it's interesting you should ask that because people, when it comes to budgeting, people see it so restrictive. I mean, budgeting is like a bad word, no matter what time of year it is, but particularly during the holiday season.
0: I don't like that word, budgeting. Is there another word we can substitute like spending, perhaps?
2: you could but you know listen
0: (laughs) that probably wouldn't be a good a good idea
2: yeah you know i you know let's just call it what it is i mean people want to call it a spending plan make it easier you know i i love budgeting i think we need to um to rethink how we look at this word budget and the whole process i don't see it as deprivation i see it as freedom freedom Freedom. Oh my gosh. I'm in love with my budget. I have two loves in my life, my budget and my boo. That's my husband of 30 years. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And I look at it just like that. I adore him and I adore my budget because it doesn't tell me what I can't spend. It tells me what I can spend. And it gives me a roadmap. I think of it as a way when you get in a car and you're going someplace you haven't been before you put on the GPS on your phone or in the car, um, and it tells you how to get there. And listen, you make wrong turns. And what does it say? It says, hey, that's the wrong turn. Go back this way. That's what the budget does. And your GPS isn't yelling at you like you fool, you turn left when you should have turned right. And that's how you had to look at your budget. It's a gentle way to remind you, hey, you're not on track for the things that you said you wanted to do. And so I look at it that way. I look at the budget Allow me to send all three. My husband, and I send our kids to college with no debt. The budget is gonna allow us to pay off our mortgage before we retire. The budget is gonna allow us or has allowed us to be generous to family and friends who, for example, lost their jobs during the pandemic. And I just turn that around. Like, you know how they say, turn that frown upside down? Well, that's what you need to do with your budget. So you don't have to call it something else. Just look at it as a way to guide you in your financial life. And if you look at it that way, It's not so bad after all.
0: All right. I I think, I think I I get it. I think what you're saying is just sort of change your outlook, you know, sort of twist your normal thinking around and make a budget a positive thing.
2: That's right. Absolutely. You have to change your Attitude. I mean, we all know what it takes to lose weight and get healthy. We know that it's a lot of material out there, but why don't we do it? It's not because we don't have enough Peloton bikes. It's because our attitude is that oh, I want to do that. And so you've got to sort of say, you know what? I want to be healthy. It's once you change that attitude that you then can be healthy. And you don't even need an exercise bag. You can walk, you can do sit ups on your own on your floor. You know, it's, it's all about your mindset. And that's what I try to get people to embrace. And so the holiday season, the mindset is buy, buy, buy. We have to show our love by what we buy people. Um, and that's just not true. Now, having said that, I don't mean that you don't, you know, we don't want to give people anything. It's nice to give, but you want to give within your means, whatever that means is. So your means might be more than, say, someone who has a nine to five job making minimum wage, but whatever that mean is you give within those parameters and if There isn't enough to go around. Don't, especially you know, holiday season. You know, you want to be generous. You can just tell people, "I really love you. I can't do this. Can we do something else? Can we have you know dinner together? Can we come sit and watch a movie together?" I mean, you—that's how you get around this panic buying during the holiday season. You got to be honest with yourself and honest with the people that you love. And I'm telling you that you will—you will release a lot of people because people are giving and doing doing kinds of things. And if you say, I can't give the other person might go, Oh, I'm so glad you said that. Oh my gosh. I'm so glad we're going to get off this hamster wheel of (laughs) buying. You'd be surprised how many people would be relieved.
0: Yeah. It does take the pressure off, uh, especially when it comes to your loved ones or even your friends, Uh, you know, people in your inner circle who, I mean, they're not family, but they're close enough and you kind of feel like you have to get them a gift. So just by acknowledging, listen, you know, I got some things going on this year, might not be able to, to spend lav- lavishly, but, you know, let's do, let's watch that movie together. That's a, that's a good idea. That is a good idea. Some, something else that you have written about is online shopping, soaring this holiday season, but also so will the scams. So how should people protect themselves?
2: Well, you know, uh, uh, Gallup looked at uh, people's buying habits for the holidays and for the, for, for, for they found, Gallup found that the uh, majority of Americans are going to actually be shopping online um, and it, it's, a, it's amazing how we have moved our lives online, you know, uh, and so with that comes the risk of running into a scammer. Um, they know people are shopping online. They know they're buying things. And so they're out there and there are things that you need to do to protect yourself um, because the scammers are very clever at what they do, their job. And so some of the things you want to do, for example, you know, watch out for those free shipping promises or promises to get you that thing, you know, tomorrow. Um, You want to be careful about any emails or text messages you get. Like say you've Purchase some things or you have been purchasing some things and you get this email or text says, hey, click this on to track your package. Don't do that. Even if it's something that you think is legitimate, I don't click anything. Just adopt that as your default. If you get an email or a text message that says click this to track, don't do it. Go to the retailer's site. If you bought something from Target, for example, go to Target's website where you've ordered it, look in your account. And then track it from there Um, because they're so clever, it's hard to spot the fakes. Um, And so those are some things. If someone says, hey, pay me with a gift card, don't do that. If you are asked to pay for anything with a gift card, you are about to be scammed. Don't do it.
0: Mm, These are important tips because as you reported, when Gallup polling first asked about online shopping, only 4% of Americans said that they were likely to shop on the Internet. And so that number is now, you know, it's up to 56%. So more of us are doing our shopping online. In fact, I, I had one of my daughters recently said, hey, let's go Black Friday shopping. And there's nothing I like. Less than going (laughs) Black Friday shopping because I just know there are going to be too many people around me. So, yeah, I enjoy shopping online as I'm sure you do.
2: Well, I don't like much shopping at all, but I have done most of my shopping uh, these days online. I I love going into the store for the same reasons. It's You know, there's people and, you know, we still are in the middle of a pandemic. And even though I'm vaccinated and I've gotten my booster, you know, I could be a danger to someone else. I could be carrying the virus and not know it and be asymptomatic. And so I don't want to put myself at risk and I don't want to put other people at risk. But I get it. People have been locked in their homes and they want to get out. Out, they want to shop, and there's you no know, an exhilaration about looking at things and seeing what's on sale. um Just be really smart about that. You know, have a plan if you're gonna do it. I'm gonna spend my Black Friday sitting and binge watching some movies and spending some time with my boo, which you already know that I like adore <laughs> and love. um So just be really careful. and and for example, if you're gonna be shopping, either in the store or online, you know, pay with a credit card. If it, and this is particularly true if you're shopping online. Um, now, normally people are like, Michelle is telling people to use a credit. But listen, it's a, there are more consumer protections with your credit card than there are with your debit card. Now, people use a debit card thinking, you know, I'm going to keep myself out of debt. But if you land on a fraudulent uh, website or a retailer, um, they have direct access to your banking account with that debit card. So you don't want to give them that access. And it takes longer sometimes to get your money back if there's fraud. So the credit card will protect you with that because the credit card lenders are going to actually kind of be your advocate. If you... Uh, order something and you don't get it because it's a fraud or whatever they can fight for you and say we're not going to pay that retailer because they did not deliver as promised you don't get those same kind of protections with a debit card so and if you don't have a credit card and you want to use uh, you don't want to you know use credit then get a prepaid debit card put slow the money on load your christmas budget money on that card and then just use that card so that if you do somehow end up in um, a with a scammer they only have access to the money on that particular card
0: all right so every holiday season going forward i am going to interview you (laughs) you can remind all of us in america how to stick to our budget and to our boo
2: that's right. <laughs> it's okay. a wonderful way to look at it. And and again, I you know, <laughs> listen, um, I know this is the season of giving uh, and I don't want to um, have people think that that's not a good thing. I just think you need to be smart about it. If you can afford it, sure. Be generous. It's wonderful. As you give, think about giving to charities. Think about boosting your contributions to your church or religious organization. You know, include them, not just at the holiday season, but all year round because people need help all year round, folks. Um, But just be be kind to yourself and you work really hard for your money. You want to make sure that you're using it in a way that is going to help you in your life financially. Send your kids to college with less debt or no debt. Retire without a mortgage or without a financial burden. And maybe it's not about you. If you have enough, then you can help someone else so that perhaps they're still struggling on a pandemic and you can pay their rent. You know, that's a way to give back. And so give, but give smart and watch out for the scammers. Don't click on anything. That's what I tell all my friends who always ask me about. You know, they'll send me things. Is this legit? I said, don't click on anything in an email. Don't click on anything in a text message. If you get something like you regularly shop at some place or you have a bank and they send you something, jump out of the email and go to the actual website. And that way, you know that you are going to the source and you're not you know, susceptible to a very cleverly written uh, scam email or text message.
0: Always good to keep in mind, Michelle Singletary columnist was the Washington Post. Thank you very much.
2: Thank you for having me and happy holidays.
0: Cyber Monday is just as big these days as Black Friday. And while it is important to watch out for scams on Black Friday, Cyber Monday is really a whole different ball game. Adam Levin is the founder of CyberScout and the former director of consumer affairs for the state of New Jersey. If anyone knows how to spot a scam or foil hackers, it's Adam. Thanks for being with us.
3: Jeff, thank you so much for inviting me.
0: So how prevalent have some of these online scams become?
3: They're huge. They're constant. They're never ending. They get somewhat more creative every year Generally, it's the same kind of scam. It just may be wrapped up in a different kind of costume, depending upon the year. Uh, But again, they're all based on the fact that we have day jobs. We work. We work for people. We're raising a family. We're being involved in philanthropic activities during the holiday season. We're shopping like crazy, especially because people feel in a much better mood this year than they have in a couple of years past which means we're distracted. And we never, never, never forget that the guys we're up against. We are their day job.
0: How do how do they find their targets? Do they have these algorithms that are constantly searching for weak spots? How do they do it?
3: Well, it depends really upon the target. Uh, many of them have decided that it's much better to go after businesses, Than individuals for the simple reason that that's one to many. But one of the best ways to get to a business is to find one or two key employees in that business and then launch phishing attacks against them and gain their trust and then use that relationship in order to crawl into the organization because you get your hands on user ID or password. And you also have to think about the fact that. Breaches have become the third certainty in life behind death and taxes. And think about the just hundreds of millions of email addresses and user ID information, as well as passwords that are out there, especially because so many people share passwords across the universal websites. And they get into one of these big organizations, they get their hands on the uh, logon uh, credential list. And then they use those credentials to basically invade the companies and then do more breaches and get more information, which they can use against more people.
0: And what is it about Cyber Monday that makes it one of those days where these hackers are finding targets?
3: Because everybody's out there shopping and many people do their shopping on Cyber Monday. The truth is during the holiday season, many people do their shopping on every particular day. But Cyber Monday is just kind of like the online version of Black Friday, and everything has ultimately become Cyber Monday. So people are out there, they're shopping, they're looking for deals. A lot of the retailers are directing their deals to Black Friday and Cyber Monday. So it's one of those things where you've got everybody's attention. And so they're buying, they're distracted, they become vulnerable. And for hackers, it's like El Dorado.
0: And are a lot of these hackers, are they based in the U.S. or are they overseas?
3: You have some based in the U.S., but the overwhelming majority are based overseas, and many of them are in countries that are either beyond the jurisdiction of the United States or countries like, for instance, North Korea that are shielding the hackers. And in fact, for them, it's a profit center, depending upon ransomware attacks and and other uh, scams that are used to to extract money from people or personal identifiable information.
0: Well, so for anyone listening to this interview, what can they watch out for that could potentially prevent them from getting taken?
3: There are a few things. One thing, of course, a very popular thing among scammers is called e skimming And that's where malicious code is placed on a legitimate website by the uh, checkout uh, function. And when people enter their information, because of this code, the information is being sent to the scammers, uh, which they then use to buy other particular products and services all around the web. So that is a very, very tough one for consumers uh, to be able to prevent against. But one of the ways you know you might have a problem based on e-skimming is sign up for what's called transactional monitoring which monitors your uh, credit card and bank and credit union accounts for transactions that may occur and then notifies you of those transactions. So you can look at it and go, you know, wait a minute, that wasn't me. Or you can spend the time checking your accounts on a daily basis, which you kind of should be doing uh, during the holiday season. Uh, Then you have things like supply chain scams, you know, because so many items have become so precious based on shortages and issues with ports and issues with production facilities. I mean, think of how many toys that you'd love to get your hands on for your kids, but you can't because everywhere you go, they're sold out. But all of a sudden, something pops up as an ad on your screen uh, or an email that tries to lure you uh, to a site in order to get this impossible to find product. I mean, that's number one clue is if it's impossible to find. It's like a needle in a haystack. Don't just assume the haystack came to you and make sure you're not pricked by that haystack needle. So a supply chain scams are out there, fake gift cards. If someone says to you, I'm going to give you the deal of the century, however they approach you by phone, by text, by email, go to legitimate retailers, go to where You can feel safe getting a gift card. Be very wary of anything that's offering you deeply deeply discounted gift cards. Just like discount apps, go to legitimate app stores, go to the retailers. Be very careful about any app that you download uh, because it could, in fact, be malware that then will turn your computer into a transmitter or we'll put ransomware on your computer. So read reviews before you download any app and pay particular attention to negative reviews. And a couple other shopping-related things. First of all, fake charities. This is the time of the year when people are thinking about giving and wanting to give, and especially after the past couple years, people are more motivated to give. When you get contacted by a charity, forget it. Go directly to the charity or go directly to the website of that charity, and then if you wish to give, then you can give, but make sure you independently confirm that it is a legitimate charity. Also, during the holiday season, there are a lot of fake delivery scams. You may get a notification from Amazon, but it's not from Amazon, saying there's a problem with your order, or from FedEx saying there's a problem with your delivery. Whenever you get any of those notifications, go directly to Amazon. Don't click on a link, or go directly to FedEx.
0: Wow, <laughs> that's a lot to remember there. But you know, as you were taking through those tips, which are all very important and all very helpful, I was wondering if it if it would benefit our listeners if you know if you're online shopping is a best to use a credit card rather than a, a debit card or a bank card? Uh, or you know, do they both offer the same types of protections?
3: Always better to use a credit card rather than a debit card for a few reasons. Number one, credit cards generally have better protection or debit cards, are, they're catching up. Uh, secondly, if it's a credit card, it's their money. If it's a debit card, it's your money and the debit card is connected directly to your bank account. And even if the bank ultimately agrees with you that you've been a victim of some scam, they could freeze your money or put a lock on it for a few days while they conduct their investigation. And this is the precise time of the year when you're going to need access to your cash, whether it's paying a mortgage payment, an auto payment, uh, something to do with education, your rent payment, things like that. So therefore always use a credit card. You have more time than a debit card and debit cards, your liability could depend upon when you discover you have a problem and when you report the problem to your financial institution. Whereas credit cards are pretty much these days, they used to be like $50 liability. They're now like zero liability uh, because every financial institution knows that every other financial institution is offering a deal on it. So, very important to use credit as opposed to debt.
0: Adam Levin, thank you.
3: Thank you so much for
0: inviting me. That is it for this week's America Change Forever. You can download previous episodes wherever you download your podcasts. Also, you can follow me on Twitter at Jeff Begays CBS, where you can send program ideas. What do you want us to look into? And follow me on Instagram at Jeff Begays6. My thanks to Paul Woody Woodhull and District Productive. I'm Jeff Begays, and that is how America Changed Forever.
1: One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.